Imagine with me that you had the opportunity to take your entire family 7,822 miles to Kenya, an adventure of a lifetime. Would you do it? Imagine that the age of your children are 12, Daphne, 10, Audrey, and 8, Mary. How would they manage such an amazing trip, which most children their age would never consider? Then once you arrive, it's not for a vacation, but four weeks of missional work serving the people of Kenya, Kintangala, Nakairu, and Mobasa. Well, that's what we are going to discuss on this special edition of More Podcast with Jordan Kelly Dutcher. Well, in the studios here at HLCC, we have Kelly and Jordan. How you doing? Doing well. Good morning. You guys, I tell you, this was, this was a long time coming. We were glad we were able to get you here and uh, spend some time with you and talk about that long trip that you took. I mean, you guys were there for four weeks. That's a long time. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, that's longer than a vacation. It is indeed longer than a vacation. Thank you for having us here, oh, Pastor yeah. Alex. I mean, uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about the place that you went to. I mean, you took your family, like I just said, 7,822 miles to a location that is not Disney World. But it is a place where, you know, you are going to be doing some amazing things for the kingdom. So describe a little bit about it for me. Uh, kind of bring us into your world there for the last four weeks. Absolutely. So the story actually starts at Disney. We got uh, the opportunity to go to Disney in 2018. And on our last day of the trip, we were kind of talking about, okay, is this something that we would want to do again? Something that we would want to come back to? And Jordan really felt like Disney was great, but there's some other opportunities out there that would be really cool too. So what did you say, Jordan? Yeah, just I looked at our oldest daughter Daphne as we walked off her ride and said, uh, "This is pretty cool and all, but wouldn't it be cool if we were going to spend this kind of money again? If we had some sort of feeling like we did something yeah. beyond ourselves, beyond just an experience." So, and uh, she kind of looked at me puzzled, and I said, "What do you think about going to see Aunt Moby and Uncle Mark next time in Africa?" She just lit up and went running to Kelly and said, "Hey, mom, mom, mom! I know where we're going." <laughs> Kelly was like, oh, well, thanks for discussing it with me first, Jordan. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, all right, we're going to do this. Yeah. That's right. uh, yeah, it's quite a big decision to uh, to make that, uh, to go and do that. I mean, uh, I think the the longest missions trip my family took was a week and went to Kentucky, you know, where the world servants. But four weeks out in the middle of, of Africa, I mean... Uh, that's uh, some people's dreams and other people's nightmares when they talk about, you know, God send me somewhere. And they're like, please don't send me to Africa. And you guys are like, let's do it, you know. Right. Uh, right. So uh, how, was the, how was the area? I mean, I, I mean, I imagine that it was warm and hot and maybe a little humid. I don't know. How was it? Yeah, so uh, Kenya is kind of an interesting country. It's a tale of really three parts. You've got uh, more desert terrain in the northeast, um, and as you get to the east uh, of the country in general, it gets a little bit drier. Um, near Mombasa, it's, I would describe it much like Houston, Galveston area, just blazing hot and muggy, um, but not a whole lot of vegetation despite all of that. Um, but where we spent most of our time was uh, actually the Nairobi area, kind of central Kenya, and Nairobi is about a mile above sea level, so while we're at the equator and it's warm, it's not hot because uh, of the elevation. It was probably, I would say, 75 to 85 degrees most days. Mm-hmm. Pretty dusty uh, because their their wet season wasn't very wet previously, and we were at the end of the dry season. So We had some cool mornings and some cool evenings, so that definitely helped even when there were days that were really hot. Um, 
it was enjoyable. But going on to that dusty factor, we would wake up each morning and there would be a layer of dust on the floor and on the dishes and things like that. So definitely something we were not used to here in America. Um, but it was still really... Um, it was nice, and we stayed when we were in the Nairobi area at my aunt and uncle's house, which was just a house in the neighborhood. One of the differences between Harbor Springs and Kitangala is that they had a gated community that they were in, and all houses were in a gated community that were actual houses, and then they also had their own fence with them barbed wire on the top and shattered glass just for security purposes. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a shock to, to Daphne's system in particular, our oldest. We got there that first night, and, you know, you get to an airport in any big city, and there's people looking to make a black coffee or trying to carry your luggage or whatever, which is all unique to a, a kid from northern Michigan. Yeah, right, really yeah. trying to grab at her stuff all the time. But, yeah, so she, uh, you know, we, we drive through pretty rough neighborhoods to get to their house, and we get to their neighborhood, and it's like <laughs> the road is just... It's not a road. No, I mean, it's it's, it's just yeah. It's there's rocks everywhere. It's crazy. Uh, you're you're kind of bebopping around up and down that road trying to get to where you're going, and then you get to a gate with a guard, and it's just totally different than pulling into State Road in Harbor Springs, Michigan. Yeah, for bad, yeah. So she wakes up the next morning. She looks at Kelly and she's like, "Mom, why did you why did you guys do this to us? <laughs> what are you thinking?" And yeah. uh, I said, "Well." I guess you're the one going to town with me today because yeah. you're the one that needs it the most. She was just paralyzed in fear. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was awesome. Once we got her out, I uh, took her to the bank, to the grocery phone store. store, grocery store, hardware, and she got talking to Kenyan people. It was like, oh, wow, uh, they smile and they're yeah. friendly and they're just like the rest of us. Yeah. Like it was, it was this aha moment for her that, you know, while everything looks different than anything she's ever known right it's urban it's dirty it's loud it's crazy there's people everywhere it's not quiet it's not woods it's not neat and tidy you know but the people are still just warm and Mm -hmm. kind and uh, I think that really was an aha moment for her and and she was really good the rest of the trip after that Mm -hmm. she tends to be our one that will cling to your side when she gets nervous and that was the I only don't think day. she clinged again after that first day, which was really cool to see God kind of overwhelm her with peace. Well, you know, and that's uh, that's one thing that as a, as a parent, I think you'd be nervous about, you know, taking your child to something like that and wondering how they would interact with that environment. You know, I mean, that is quite a change, you know, if they've been in, in an environment where it seems sort of protected and you haven't had to deal with all that stuff. And then all of a sudden you see, uh, well, you probably saw children running around the streets and doing mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And I mean, that would be that'd be different. You know, this is, this is their life. You know, they, they have a totally different, uh, way of looking at life. Uh, I think that'd be a, a major uh, shock, you know, to the system, but, uh, it seems like they, they did well. They came back, you know, I don't see any signs of PTSD at some at any point, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they seem like they're ready to go. And, 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 you know, of course, Mary's talking about going on another one already. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> she's ready. So obviously, uh, it, it, it had a good effect on them. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, so the place that you stayed at, what, what was it like there? Well, in Keaton Gala, it's, uh, it's really kind of a, a suburb of Nairobi. It's the fastest growing city in all of Africa right now. Um, uh, we stayed there for most of our time. Um, and, uh, there's one other family that's Caucasian in mm-hmm. the entire community other than really? Kelly's aunt and uncle. Wow. And there's gotta be, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing, but there's gotta be a couple hundred thousand people in that area. It's Easily. just 
people everywhere. So that was pretty unique. I mean, we ran into a couple of, you know, Asian folks along the way from China. There's a lot of Chinese investment going into the country, but it was really unique for a Caucasian family from Northern Michigan (laughs) uh, to walk around a community that you look like nobody. Yeah, right. uh, Everybody's staring at you. Um, And her aunt and uncle gave us some really good advice when we got there. They just said, look, people are going to stare at you and you're going to think that they might be judging you or you're going to think that they might be uh, concerned with why you are there. Right, yeah. But flash a smile and it'll be a window into their heart. And that was one of the best things I could have heard because uh, it was so true. Anytime you smile at somebody, they would just immediately... uh, you know, light up and wave and smile and excited. And mm-hmm. you know, we literally and saw people's scowls or like inquisitive looks turn into happy greetings just yeah. with a quick smile. And right. so I agree from the very beginning, that was some of the best advice that we got there just to engage with people. And um, I'm not, not exaggerating when I say you might be in the car for 20 minutes and while you're in the car windows are down because it's hot yeah and not everybody drives in Kenya there were a lot of people walking and they'd be walking right next to your car if you're on side streets and just flashing people a smile they'll say welcome caribou caribou Kenya welcome to Kenya just driving down the road and so um kind of like Daphne, once you got to talk to the people, I felt more comfortable there than I assumed. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you go all of these miles, you go across the country. I thought it was going to be smelly and dirty and it wasn't really that different. Um, There's still people that are made in the image and likeness of God and people with big hearts. And um, so that was really, I think, pretty special. And um they have a term for white people. Uh, the kids, when they see a white person, they'll say, Mzungu! And so, <laughs> as we were driving with windows down, no matter where we were, you would literally hear little kids, like, snickering at each other, Mzungu! Mzungu! Just a constant yeah. buzz of Mzungu everywhere you Is want. Is that a nice thing, or...? It, you know, out of a child's mouth, it's just excitement. That, oh, okay, wow, yeah. that's somebody I've never seen. Out of a teenager or an adult, it, yeah. it could be derogatory at times. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, for the most part... In fact, that's actually one of the... I guess one of the cool stories, um, our first, well, second day, I guess, in country, I went with Kelly's uncle to the slum uh, up in Nairobi that they used to work in. They started a primary school in there, um, I guess a preschool is what you'd call it, in daycare. Um, But I went up there to work with him on some fold-down tables for a soccer ministry. And as we're working throughout the day, um, it became very clear that the work that her aunt and uncle Mark and Maureen, what they're doing there is uh, not just necessary, but it's so appreciated. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they've just become a part of Africa. Um, we were working in the little eight by 10 foot room on this table and a uh, guy walks in and uh, he's talking to somebody in Swahili and, and says something about Mazungus in the room. And it was clearly not positive. Oh, okay, and yeah. All the other guys turned and looked at him, gave him kind of a dirty look. And the one guy says, these aren't Mazungus, these are white Africans. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and I just thought, I don't even know that, I don't even know that Mark heard it, but I just thought what a, what a testimony to what he's doing over there. Yeah. Um, that people, you know, have accepted him as one of their own. Um, and, and literally that's all he does all day, every day is go from one ministry to the next, uh, doing small carpentry projects or big carpentry projects or reviewing site plans for them and helping them figure out how best to, to go through their big projects. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, it was, it was honestly, it was the biggest compliment I think you could give. And it was really cool 
to kind of be there and snake his glory a little bit. Yeah, I was right, only yeah. there for a short time, but <laughs> but uh, you know he he definitely um, you can tell is having an impact on a lot of young people's life. The slum was an, an amazing place. And yeah, she talks about smelly or uh, unsightly or dirty and uh, um, and how it wasn't that way all across the country. I would you know tend to maybe disagree a little bit. There was garbage everywhere you looked, yeah. but yeah. Uh, the slum was an amazing place. And that uh, I don't know how people live there. I mean, really uh, working in there. It, it took me a good couple hours of working in there to to actually take my mask off. I know it's <laughs> nobody right, in the slums yeah. wears a mask, and yet throughout much of Kenya, you're kind of expected to. In fact, if you're out walking without one in public in the slum, that the, you might want to slip one on if the cops come along but uh you know it took me a while to take it off not because i was concerned yeah right (laughs) at all about the mask it was 100 percent to do with just the smell it took me a long time to get used to i mean it's just open sewage running everywhere oh wow yeah you know the river there's literally animals walking across the garbage across the river Mm. i mean it's just and kids scooping water out for their mom's soup pot you know Mm -hmm. it's just a it's a crazy crazy place but um you know, the joy that those kids had and the joy mm-hmm. that the people had in the slum was really cool. Mm-hmm. In fact, we had a chance, I don't know, a week and a half later to take the girls into the slum. And and I had that conversation with them before we went in. I said, look, you, you're going to smell things you have never smelled. And yeah. you're going to see stuff that you didn't think possible. But you can't react. I mean, this is their daily life. This, right, is, yeah. that, this is every day to these kids and these people and you have to kind of act like it's yours for a, for a, a couple hours here while we're yeah. in there you know yeah you're not allowed to plug your nose right you're not you allowed to point, say you. you can't gawk you can't you know mm-hmm. and it was amazing we get 200 meters in and meredith our youngest who's eight you know bless her soul but she's walking along and all of a sudden we came to probably 15 meter wide swath of sewage crossing the road oh no and she just looked down and froze like I'm going to walk through this. Yeah. If this is really going to happen. I don't think I can do this. You know? Yeah. And, uh, praise God. Soccer. John was standing next to her. Who's the guy that runs the soccer ministry. He was a great guy, but, uh, he just threw up over his shoulder and trudged on through and we all followed behind, but he got heckled pretty good by everybody sitting around the streets for picking her up, asking if he'd carry them through it. And yeah, right. But you know, the little girl that watched us or that, uh, followed us all the way through the slum, uh, I don't even remember her name. She was just a little bitty thing. Um, and a doll, but she's got broken flip flops, and she's just walking wow. through it like it's every day. You know, yeah, just because it is every day. It is every day. Yeah, like it was nothing though. Just sewage all over her feet by the time we get to the other side. Wow. And just just kept trudging along. Is there a lot of um, of disease in that area? There's not a lot of aged people, so I would assume yeah. so. Um, you know, I didn't ask that question, but there, I mean, there were not, you didn't see much gray hair in the slum. Mm-mm. Really? No, mm-hmm. not much at all. I mean, in fact, the one mother of a young boy we met, I mean, I would have guessed she was in her fifties and mm-hmm. I'm guessing she was in her late twenties, early thirties wow. based on wow. what we were told. So, so life expectancy is pretty, I think it's pretty low, pretty low there. Yeah. yeah, I really do. Uh, I, I, I mean, I can't guarantee that but from what i could see outside looking in i mean there, there was not there were not a lot of older people wow and so we were in a slum called south b but it's not even the biggest slum in nairobi the well, biggest about slum 10 percent the size of the biggest slum maybe even smaller right yeah. um the biggest slum was the kibera slum and it's the second largest slum in the world mm. the largest one being in south africa um and to drive by 
the size of the slums, it's almost unfathomable. But um, one of the drivers that we had, his sister actually lived in the slum. And so she was able to talk with, or he was able to talk with us a little bit about what it was like to live there and go visit her and things like that. But um, it can still be a beautiful way of life. And yeah. they, it allows them to have work and provide for their families and feed their families. And there's a community within, and there's a lot of beauty in that too. Yeah, I, I would imagine they probably, you know, they don't think of it, take a second thought, mm-hmm. you know, make life wherever it is. I, you know, I, I can imagine, imagine that, you know, that's just amazing. And, and, you know, it's interesting, George, our driver that she's talking about, uh, you know, he really spoke about the slum from a perspective of, for his sister, it was the best possible situation. Um, and it is, it's amazing to think that somebody's going to go in and live in an eight by 10 foot room with their five, six family members. Yeah. And that's their best alternative really? to anything wow. else. You know, a lot of a lot of those folks that live in the slum are people that grew up in rural Kenya, and they came to the city looking for the opportunity to make a living, and uh, and end up in that slum because they saw all their farmers, uh, shamba as they call it, um, out in the country, thinking they're going to chase the better life, and they get to the slum, and that's where they end up settling in, and it's hard to get out. I mean, they. Average person's making somewhere from between Five four hundred and seven hundred and fifty shillings a day, which is four to seven fifty. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. American dollars. American dollars, wow. four to seven seven dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, so uh, per day, and uh, and they don't work every day. They don't work. Five days a week, a lot of them. I mean, a lot of folks. They not because they don't up, want to, right, but because the employment isn't available. And three weeks later, they find another job for a few days. And wow. Yeah, so it's, you know, the folks with the most stable income are folks that either work for the government or um, NGOs or Christian organizations or, you know, missionary groups that come in and hire people to be a full-time cook or full-time maintenance guy or whatever that might be. So um, those are really the most consistent jobs you'll find there. Construction workers, too, but... Well, that's amazing. Um, so uh, you guys went down there for a specific purpose. I know you didn't go down there sightseeing. So what was... Uh, what was the specific mission that you guys went down there with? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, went, we went with the idea to serve alongside her aunt and uncle. Mm-hmm. To really, well, and My aunt, uncle, and cousin have lived there for um, eight years, and they've been, ex- they've been in a couple of different ministries while they were there. Yeah. And when we first started planning, they were working full-time at an orphanage, and okay. so we thought that would be something that we could just come alongside them right in the orphanage and seasons change and they moved on to a couple of other ministry opportunities but i think working with an orphanage was kind of on our heart for the girls um, for daphne audrey and mary to be able to experience what what is an orphanage like and um what is life like for the kids in an orphanage so we were able to spend a week in an orphanage while we were there um and my aunt uncle and cousin chris all came with us um and then we spent a week in Mombasa region. Okay, and yeah. when we were in Mombasa, we were really just practicing the ministry of presence alongside a church that Harbor Lake Community Chapel funded the building for. And so um, we didn't actually build the church ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we collectively as a church helped finance that church. But um, while we were there, we met with the pastor, we encouraged the pastor, we went to his wife's school and sang songs with the kids at their primary school, which was really encouraging. We were in a community where it was 96% Muslim, and to be able to stare out in the faces of girls who are wearing their head covering and teaching them about God's love for them and having them sing in full voice next to you, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the right. Bible tells me. So those were some. those are some of those takeaways that 
we won't leave. Like, they're with us, and it was wow. definitely a gift to be able to see. So I would say those two weeks were our big, big ministry pieces, but then there were small ministry pieces as well. So we went to um, Divine Providence, uh, another girl's home, an orphanage um, that was in the Keatingala area. Um, each Saturday, and we got to spend about four hours with the girls playing, and so we taught them Foursquare, and we taught them Cat's Cradle, and we baked cupcakes for them, and we had a Valentine's party, and we did crafts, and we played with parachutes, and we just got to be with them, which was really cool. That is really cool. I mean, uh, you know, for your kids to even experience those interactions, I mean, that's that's just amazing uh, for them to see uh, just that that uh, awesome uh, experience of just ministering like you said in presence and being there i mean that's something that they'll live with for the rest of their life you know being a part of that experience um when you talk with your girls i mean what is some of the responses that you get from them about all that i think uh specifically meredith was really impacted by the baby center mm-hmm. um in nakuru where we were for a week um I think the the little ones, she just, she really, she couldn't get enough of them. She was in the room feeding them at lunchtime. And, you know, they had signs on the door that said you weren't allowed inside. But within the first few hours, she had talked them all out of that. And, that uh, is awesome. And every day Only she, she was inside. Yeah. yeah. So she just, you know, I think that I should come in and help you feed. And they were kind of like, well, it's hard to tell that face no. So, yeah, right, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and so she just, she really ate it up. Her and Audrey both, they have very maternal instincts. Yeah. And, uh and it was kind of cool to see Daphne, who has very little maternal instincts, really warm up to the kids. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple of pictures of her old babies, and you can Aww. see her looking into their eyes like, this is where it's at. Yeah. yeah. So we also learned that they can do laundry, which is awesome. Oh, yes. Ooh, Praise so. God. They can do laundry. <laughs> yeah. 35 babies produce a lot of laundry. So yeah. They, uh, they washed it and hung it out on the line and took it off the line. And, <laughs> and I looked at them and I thought, I am done doing your laundry. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> this is coming home with me. Yeah. That's right. This memory will stick with me. Yeah. Yeah. So there's the best take I had. No. Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, and I think it really in all their cases, uh, just to realize how how blessed they are. Yeah. Um, but, and I think in all of our cases, the whole family, we all realize walking away from that, that more isn't better. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, other than this podcast. Right. Of yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But, uh, you know, we live in such abundance here and they live with so little yeah. in some cases in just destitute situations. Yeah. And yet they have such joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we live in a nation where everybody's hooked on Prozac, not everybody, but a huge portion of people yeah. are on antidepressants. And, uh, you know, we have so much, you know, yeah. so it's it's really amazing to see, um, you know, I think there's just so much truth in the fact that, uh, you know, when, when our God becomes our stuff, mm-hmm. uh, we really lose purpose. Yeah. And and they're just living to survive. And they're living for the moment. And they're living for the day. And there's a lot of joy in that. Yeah, and very a lot good. of peace that comes from that. And I think all of us really got to see that center stage, which was cool for our girls to see, I think, especially. But, you know, no matter how much you try yeah. to, not, uh, to not spoil your kids and not give them too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is that in this country? You yeah, know? right. Yeah. I mean... I guess if you if you go to a relative world, then you can maybe say that you don't give your kids too much. But you know, compared, compared to the to rest there, of the yeah. world, yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. you know what our kids have is is beyond far beyond what they need. And 
Yeah, and you brought up a real um, a real emotional struggle, I think. Uh, listening to people come back from the missions field, a lot of times that is a struggle when they compare uh, what they've experienced and the place they came from mm-hmm. coming back to it. How have you guys kind of debriefed yourself in that, that emotional issue of realizing that we don't need a lot, but at the same time we live in America where life is, is graded differently. It's a whole different scenario altogether. Um, you know, how, how has that uh, been talked about in your home? How do you begin to deal with that, realizing that, you know, we're not going to live like people in Kenya, obviously, because it's not going to work. Right. But at the same time, we did get some values from that. So where do you begin to process that for yourselves? Well, it's really handy in the checkout aisle at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they're yeah. begging for everything there. Well, wait a minute now. Remember what no, you did in Kenya? That's right. yeah. No, um, you know, I don't know if we've ever ad- adequately debriefed that with the kids, honestly, even with ourselves. But uh, um, I think that's part of the challenge of who we are. We just, we kind of live in mm-hmm. the space we're in. And we got back here and it just became a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, right. I bet. Yeah. School and cut some hair to pay the bills and, and otherwise just <laughs> we're here at school 24 7. So. Yeah. Um, so it's hard. Yeah. I I would agree with you. I think that's probably something that we will need to continue to talk through. Um, and I think just as, you know, things creep up, like, Hey, um, our car is getting up there in miles and is it worth it to get a new car or a new work car, new to us car, or do we put more money into it? I think just making those larger uh, purchases more carefully. So, um, Harbor Lake community chapel, gave $9,000 and it built an entire church yeah. in Mombasa. $9,000 is not going to get you a very nice car, but if you can make those savings or make things stretch a little bit further, I think that so that we have the ability to give and to pour in, I think those types of decisions will make a bigger impact. And um, a conversation I just had with somebody this morning is, would I rather have a nice couch or those experiences through right. travel. And I think I'll take those experiences through travel. My, I mean, my couch is fine. It, it can sit, right. but nobody's going to like, I'm not going to take that to the, to the grave with me. Or I'm not going to take that beyond. It doesn't right. have that eternal impact. So I think, um, I would we should say have had this conversation a year ago when she got a new couch. <laughs> <laughs> Bummer. First Man. couch, first couch <laughs> we ever bought ourselves in 15 years. Yeah, <laughs> I don't right. think I'll give you that. But. See, now she's rationalizing. Well, that's, right. Say. that's right. I really needed that couch. I did need that couch. <laughs> I needed a place to charge my phone. Yeah. No. Um, but I think for the girls too, I think in terms of the value of stuff. So yeah. you have a group of 120 kids at one of the orphanages and we took a bag full of big bouncy balls that Mm. they could play with four square and soccer and things like that and that plus a couple jump ropes keeps everyone busy for an entire afternoon while a medical clinic is running um our kids get bored with a whole bin full of legos in an hour and i think that's probably more where the debrief will happen of hey like let's reframe this a little bit you're bored but you're in a house surrounded by toys right yeah what else could we do or how else could we be doing it so that you're not feeling bored because you don't have enough Um, yeah yeah Yeah, and that's that's an interesting thing you know uh it's amazing that perspective that you get when you come back from places like that because you realize like you said i mean kids are playing with uh, sticks and rocks and a ball 
and uh, they think they've got the world in the palm of their hand, and then they get back here, like you said, and they have everything mm-hmm. uh, available to them. I know um, Pastor Matt and I were talking about he was doing some changes in the in the youth room with uh, going to the Switch away from the Xbox, and people were complaining because all the games that they were playing were not available at right then when he needed to, and they're moving over. And I said, really? You know, that's the that's the concern for the day, you know. But you know, I guess when you live in a world of those kind of things. It's like, wow, that's an emergency, I guess. But, uh, yeah, when you go away and get those perspectives, it's amazing what you walk away from and what you have. And you realize, wow, I I have a lot. Mm -hmm. I have a lot. And even, you know, Pastor Gary and I have talked about even the poorest in the United States are way wealthier. Mm-hmm. than even people over there um and they may not think that you know when they're looking at their their situation currently but it's still it's still a lot better uh because even the, the poorest among us have cell phones and tvs and mm-hmm. uh at least uh, one vehicle to get somewhere uh and they have food in their cabinets to eat uh it may not be always a f- the favorite thing for them but they've got something so right. yeah i mean that's just an amazing life lesson to be able to pass down to your children and hopefully they remember you know uh they take that with them because uh you guys gave them a real gift you know when you did that so kudos to you guys i want to say one of the other takeaways from that situation is even people that had comparatively so much less yeah. were so welcoming and hospitable that when we went to visit them in their homes they would invite us in wow. they would give us soda they would give us cookies and it's rude not to take it but at the same time what they have they don't see as theirs and holding it with a tight fist they they cherish that time together they cherish being a welcoming person or a welcoming group of people and so that was something that was really beautiful out of the culture and i felt a little convicted because even when we invite people over for dinner i'm like "Mm, we have water or milk those are our two options (laughs) but there they knew we were coming so they went to the store specifically took their limited resources and went out and bought soda wow so that was really neat that is really neat yeah yeah i'd imagine that they would do that for you yeah well um, I want to just have you go back a little bit and think about one of your favorite parts of the host country. What was something that, that you thought was just amazing that you will live with for the rest of your life? Sure. Outside of the natural beauty, um, and there is a lot of that to look at there, um, it's the people. I mean, it's the smiles. Mm-hmm. It's the just the joy and the warmth. Um, Nairobi area in general, uh, central Kenya and western Kenya is largely a Christian nation. Hmm. Uh, which was really cool to see. Um, but, uh, and you can see that. I mean, you can see that Christian influence on the culture and the society. But just African culture in general is just, it is so community-driven because it's been built on survival for so long that it's not about uh, getting more for yourself or having having more to save up or, you know, honestly, it's not even about taking care of that car so it lasts you longer. It's about taking care of as many people with that car as, as much yeah. as you can and cram right. as many people into it to get as many people a ride as you can mm-hmm. and get them to work as quick as you can. And you might scratch it up and beat it up, but, you know, it's all about the people in the car. It's not about the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's one of the cool things about, you know, Africa in general is because it's a nation of or a continent of people really that have uh, been built on survival. Mm-hmm. Um, they just, it's all about the people around you. I mean, it's just all about serving one another. If you've got an extra anything, it's, it's yours to use if you need it. So, 
Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a neat thing to see. Yeah, and I, uh, not to be the student that steals an answer from somebody else, <laughs> but I have to agree. It's yeah. really the people that made up that experience, and I think that was my favorite part. And it, it really didn't matter who it was. So we mm-hmm. had um, experiences with three different people that drove us because driving would not be our favorite thing there. It was a little scary and life-threatening at times. Yeah. Um, but Evans and George and even our um, safari Sammy. driver, Sammy, were just incredible individuals. And they love well and they converse well and they make you just feel so welcome. And Jordan said warmth, and that was the exact word I was thinking. They are so warm and welcoming. Um, and and Fina, who is friends with um, my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. uh, a Kenyan woman, she just loved well. She loved not just Jordan and I, but she loved our girls well, and she was interested in them and asked them questions. And um, Betty and Brian, who directed the baby center, they they loved well. They welcomed us and they made us feel like a part of that ministry. And so um, Pastor Simon in Mombasa and his wife, every, everyone just made us feel very welcome there. And so the people, I think, would be the part that we miss. And then, the, like, the other one part is we're leaving Michigan in the middle of winter. Yeah, right. And the weather was nice. Um, the fruit was amazing. My aunt and uncle had four mango trees in their yard. Oh, wow, so being yeah. able to, like, go pick a mango and eat it, that was, like, the icing on the cake. It was yeah, just a little extra sweet. And the just bananas and all of the fruit was really a special blessing as well. Well, we're going to take an identity break here real quick, and we'll come back with Jordan and Kelly. All right, I'm here with uh, Kelly and Jordan. They're talking about their trip to Kenya, and uh, they didn't just go by themselves. They took their entire family of five to Kenya. And, I mean, it's uh, Daphne and Audrey and Mary to uh, 7,822 miles away from Michigan. Um, I mean, that's just a long trip, one way. And uh, they didn't go to just sightsee. They went to uh, be ministers of the gospel uh, to the people of Kenya. And uh, we've been talking about that. And we want to continue our conversation with them. And uh, we've been hearing a lot of things that they uh, were a part of, things that they enjoyed and uh, had uh, interactions with. But I want to I want to start out this uh, this second part with uh, the conversation of difficulties. I know that it couldn't have been all just great fun, um, but what were some of the difficulties you guys ran into? I know that going into a country like you mentioned, where you you have sights and smells and things that you walked into, but there's got to be some other difficulties that you dealt with. I think the most obvious difficulty is our middle daughter Audrey. Um, and it's, I guess this is, I'd like to share this from the perspective of never be afraid to share what the Lord has laid on your heart with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, never be afraid to tell people if the Lord's given you a prophetic word over their life, because I think it was Heidi Hewitt, mm-hmm. right? Uh, pulled Kelly aside and just said, I want you to understand the Lord's going to do a healing in a spot where you're going to need it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a miracle, a miracle, not a healing, but he's going to do a miracle and in a spot you didn't think it was going to happen. So um, our middle daughter, Audrey, got bit by something. We don't know what. A bug of some sort. Really? Yeah. And this was in Nakuru, like, week one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and over the course of the next five days, she just got worse and worse wow. and worse. And her arm got rashier and rashier. And then her body got all hivy and started to swell. And 
And then she woke up one morning and she came to our room and she looks at me and she says, dad, the red's all gone away. And I opened up my eyes and I was like, oh, <laughs> she looked like uh, Martin Short in the movie Pure Luck. If you've oh, no. seen that, I mean, she yeah. just ballooned up. Her left eye was so, swollen yeah, shut. Swollen really? shot. Really? I mean, she was bit on the arm. I mean, it's like her whole body just swelled and um, praise God. She never at any point had a hard time breathing, but um, had a little mild fever and her body just was not fighting it. Wow. And it was trying, but it didn't yeah, have what it took. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, Mark and Maureen have some really good friends over there that are nurse practitioners and um, they have a friend that's several friends that are physicians and stuff. And they'd been kind of communicating with people along the way, but nobody was real nearby us. And uh, they saw that picture of Audrey and it was just immediately they were like, you got to get her to a hospital. Like this isn't, this isn't good anymore. We got to, we got to do wow. something. And unfortunately, like two days earlier, they said, you've got to avoid a hospital. They've got like a 30% mortality rate. Oh no. And, yeah. uh, so they said that and Kelly just lost it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm probably too naive to lose it. So I just kind of assumed it's going to be fine. She'll be fine. But at the end of the day, um, it was undoubtedly prayer uh, wow. that healed her because she had been on steroids. She had been, um, taking antihistamines and everything they could come up with. They do not have Benadryl in Kenya, if ever traveling. Really? This is a, a plug for Benadryl. Take yeah. Benadryl with you. <laughs> um, carry it on in yeah, your carry-on. Because that probably would have helped tremendously right away. Mm-hmm. But um, but we went to church that morning because the doc that we were going to meet at an emergency room couldn't be there till after church anyway. And uh, so we thought, well, we'll just take her to church. And uh, I know I spent the entire time praying over her, and I'm sure Kelly too. And Christopher, Kelly's cousin, he's a prayer warrior. He's, uh, he's got Down syndrome. He's 35 years old, and he's just an awesome guy. Um, but he went up after church for prayer and got the pastor of the church and the elders of the church all praying for Audrey. Wow. And, I mean, you could literally see minute by minute the swelling disappear. Oh, praise God. By That's the time awesome. we got to the emergency room, she looked a it lot was better. Hardly, I mean, it was noticeable, but it was hardly what it was. That's and, awesome. Uh, That's really good. You know, they wanted to throw an IV in her and just start pumping meds in her, and and, and I said, admit her for a day, right? Yep. Wow. And I said, well, that sounds good, Doc, but we're going to wait for the Canadian Doc. I'm I'm not interested in that. And we got upstairs, <laughs> and Kelly's like, we are going to listen to the doctors. I said, in Kenya, we are going to make the decision for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, she was good about it. But um, you know, it was just kind of funny. We. We waited for that Canadian doc. She showed up, and the the Canadian doc looked at her one time, and she said, "That's a whole lot better than this morning." Yeah. And sure enough, um, you know, she said, "Here's uh, a steroid cream, an antihistamine cream. Get that Benadryl, and uh, which we were able to get from the nurse practitioners, and it was good." Oh, you found so, some? <laughs> yeah, they, they, a couple of American doctors had some, or uh, nurse practitioners had some, but they were five hours away at oh, the time. Wow. So they were able to arrange for somebody to get into their house for us and get us the Benadryl. So, uh, but she looked a million percent better by the time that doc got there. So, and you don't know what the bug was, huh? We no. have no clue. Cause she didn't see it bite her. It was just the like reaction site. And honestly, Monday through Friday, there wasn't a whole lot of change other than it was red and big. And we had tried to use charcoal and other things to minimize. But uh, Friday to Saturday, it got bad. Really? And then Saturday night to Sunday was when she'd woke up and was just completely swollen. So, that is crazy. But to God be the glory. Yeah. Amen to that, boy. 
Absolutely. One of the other um, hangups that I was thinking about was before we even went, um, we had an issue with getting Jordan's visa. And oh, yeah. so it was down to like two days before the trip, we still didn't have his visa. It was the morning we woke up it to was, drive down to Detroit. Yeah, the morning we w- yeah. woke up to drive wow. down to the airport. We still didn't have his visa and, you know, ca- doing all of the things and calling and praying. and But we also just had the peace of the Lord. Like he would not orchestrate this entire trip and lay everything out the way that he did to make us not go. Right. So we didn't have a doubt whether or not we'd be going. It would, was just kind of like, well, maybe we're going to have to go a little late because it's delayed. Um, Hmm. But it worked out and came in on time. And again, at the, Ninth or eleventh hour, it came through, what? and we're good. Here so. we go. Was it the ninth or eleventh or? Was it was the eleventh hour. Eleventh hour. Okay. Eleventh yeah. hour, it came through. <laughs> um, one of the other connections I saw. One of the other struggles when we were in Mombasa, it was ridiculously warm. Yeah. And. Um, for whatever reason, the construction of the building that we were sleeping in did not allow for adequate airflow. So it was really hot at night. And so we didn't sleep super well. Um, in fact, one of the girls even got up in the night and, and got sick from really? the heat. Wow. And so that was tough. Um, but the girls, Daphne originally had decided that she wanted to be baptized while we were in Mombasa oh, wow. at the Indian Ocean, which was really cool. And then as we prepared and studied and and did all of the things yeah with we did it as a family um the other girls also felt like they were being called to also be wow. baptized and so that was really cool but the day before they got baptized meredith got stung by a jellyfish in the indian ocean oh no yeah and it wasn't until honestly just recently that i was sharing the story with somebody and i was like i just put that together i'm pretty sure the devil didn't want us to have them baptized yeah right, right. There, yeah he wanted us to be afraid of that ocean and um yeah so she was, she's okay. Uh, she yeah. just had a little mark on her for two weeks. It was a blue bottle jellyfish, I think we searched up and found out. But um, that was another, just one of those little struggles. So the first couple of days we played pretty freely in the Indian Ocean. But after she got stung, we were a little bit more careful. Yeah, right, yeah. You don't even think about that stuff when you're over there. I, I wouldn't. I'd be like, yeah, let's get in the ocean, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was too shallow for sharks, so I yeah. thought that was a good thing. But. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, you don't think about that stuff, but you do now. Yes. You know, <laughs> when you go out there, you will be looking, looking for I mean, they're kind of translucent a little bit, right? You don't really see them until they, like, sneak up on you. Yeah, Daphne actually tried to pop it. She thought it was a bubble. Really? Yeah, at first. Oh, and my gosh, it, yeah. It kind of nailed the, her hand a little bit, but didn't really get her well. She just felt like a buzz, like, whoa, what was that? Yeah. And then, yeah, moments later, Meredith had it. I think Kelly actually had to pull the stinger out of her mm-hmm. or whatever. Good grief. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you learn something new every day, yeah, right? Definitely. You know? Yeah. You yeah. guys are you guys are tested and ready to go for the next one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, know, know where you're going. Uh, you know, so you guys had difficulties, obviously, and it seems like the Lord's been really working through all that. But, you know, what, what was something you really liked the most about it? I mean, something that you walk away with and said, you know what? That was probably the best thing that ever happened with us. What, what would be that for you? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I would say there were small pockets throughout the trip that were just really like aha moments. Mm-hmm. And so walking away with those collection of things was really neat. But um, our week at the AGC Baby Center was um, undeniably 
a connection that the Lord made. And um, to be able to be at the baby center where they have 35 babies, wow. 35 kids, um, and working alongside them, we were able to see that they weren't just ministering to the babies and to the families that were going to get the babies. They are also ministering to the workers that are there, um, providing water to the community, because one of the ways that they fund the baby center is through selling their water. Okay, um, yeah. But they would give it to, so they would deliver water to people who needed water deliveries, but they also write at their gate would sell water for two cents for a five gallon jug which really is just incredible yeah so you could see that they really had a heart not just for babies but for their community right and, yeah um we we loved our time there we loved the staff there we loved um they have one american missionary there named april who is just incredible and i'm so thankful to god for the time that we got there got to spend there, spend there. and we've talked um you know if we ever go back we would probably make sure to spend some time with the african gospel church's baby center because it was awesome that is so neat yeah i think actually uh, Really, what we've talked about recently too is that uh, likely before ever going back, we would we would like to try to bring Brian and Betty, uh, the director and his wife, the director and okay, his yeah. wife and kids, to the United States and introduce them to churches here, some churches here in the United States because uh, the work they're doing, yeah, is so necessary. And I think uh, there's something to be said for that personal connection with the ministry. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw lots of world vision vans driving around and things like that while we were there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, while the, all that type of work is good, it's, it's just a little less personal other than you get the little postcard, you know, that says, and we do have a little postcard sitting at our house, but, um, you know, I, I look at, uh, what Brian and Betty and their whole team there are doing and, uh, it's such a necessary work and it needs funding. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I think, you know, that's probably our next step down the road rather than go somewhere is to actually try to bring them here at some point down the road, uh, whether that be just a Harbor Light or all over the state. And I know they have a church in Indiana that supports them heavily, so maybe we can team up with them and get them over here and and let them tell their story because it's, it's an amazing story what they're doing at that baby center. They're and it's a story worth hearing. It's absolutely. a story worth hearing for sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh, speaking about that, if somebody wanted to uh, support the ministry through you, I mean, they could email you or get a hold of you. and uh, Absolutely. We could, uh, we could make that happen if they uh, probably email kdutcher at harborlight.org. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be and, great. We'd happy uh, to be happy to get you in touch with their information. Yeah, and if there's not an avenue to get support over to them currently, I'm sure we can figure that out here. Yeah, and, and I mean, you're so. talking about not a lot to support that ministry. I mean, we, we sent 9000 to build a uh, church. Mm-hmm. Right. So it can't be a lot. I mean. Right. We met a, we met a gentleman while we were there who uh, ran out of money building his house, and uh, he, he had enough for the house and a kitchen, but not a bathroom. And uh, we ran out of time to build our fence mm-hmm. and uh, or not build, but mend and repaint the fence at the baby center. And uh, there was enough th- thanks to the very, very generous donors all around our church community. Wow. Uh, we had enough left over to be able to leave there. And I mean, to pay him for a month to go paint that fence was, I don't know, less than $300. That's amazing. And that's, yeah. you know, a full-time employee for a month to come out and paint your fence. And, uh, and it provided tremendously for his family and provides for the baby center. So yeah, I mean, $30 a month, like a, like a world vision sponsorship Wow, would go a long way. Yeah. You know, you might be providing a job for one month for somebody. That's amazing. So, that's amazing. which, 
provides for those babies. They, they have, I want to say it's close to 50 employees for 35 babies. Really? Um, some, wow. of them, some of them are maintenance people, some are cooks, some are there to do laundry. Some are, they have um, occupational therapy. Yeah, um, a nurse. One of the interesting problems that the baby center ran into is that very few people, the international adoption is closed in Kenya and very few people want to adopt a special needs child. Mm-hmm. And they have a handful of people when somebody brings a baby or a baby's found on the side of the road, you don't know what God's story for that child is. And a handful of the babies had, or now children had autism. There were some that were nonverbal. And so the unique challenge that they have is they're now, they have eight-year-olds who don't speak. And Mm -hmm. so the instead of seeing that as a problem the ministry really saw it as an opportunity and hired on therapists that can help get them to a place where they can communicate a little bit and wow. can come alongside them and they have a couple of kids that are school age and go to school every day um and that just wouldn't be possible in that child's life without them and the role that they're playing that's right. amazing yeah a lot of those kids they're not like she said not able to be not able to be adopted out and so really the baby center's their goal is to unite kids with, with their forever home. Yeah. And for some of these kids, it's here on earth. Some of them, it's with our father in heaven. And yeah. for others of these kids, uh, the specifically the ones with special needs, their forever home might just be the AGC baby center. So, mm-hmm. uh, which has not historically been the case because of international adoption and Westerners willingness to come over and adopt a child with spina bifida or wow. down syndrome or whatever. Mm-hmm. So what they've done is actually one of their board members uh, donated the land and they've set that apart and they are praying and believing that the Lord's going to provide a way for them to build a group home for these kids. Wow. And so, yeah, yet another way people could certainly help the uh, AGC Baby Center is uh, to help get behind that building project. But, uh, you know, there's no end to need by, by any means. But uh, that was a ministry, I think, that both Kelly and I, um, you know, her being in in uh, ministry work and and um, my background in the world of finance, just we really like to see responsible yeah, right. responsible use of funds, and we felt like the baby center was, you know, over the top responsible with how they handled funds and how they took care of the babies, and and uh, the work they're doing is so necessary and being done. Uh, just they're just great stewards uh, and it's being done on the lord to bring glory to him um much like staff here at Mm -hmm. christian school they meet weekly for staff devotions and they encourage each other with scripture and they sing together and they worship together and there's just a lot of beauty in that yeah there is yeah well uh we're getting to the end of our uh, podcast today do you guys have anything that you want to say before we wrap it up uh, the only encouragement I would give is if you have an opportunity, I would encourage you to go, go, go. And so, um, I'm married to somebody who has that mindset <laughs> of think big. And honestly, we didn't start by saying, Hey, let's do a month in Africa. We started by saying, Hey, let's go to Africa. And then God kind of laid that foundation of, well, if we're going to go and this is how much tickets cost, then we might as well go for yeah. a longer time. And originally I was only supposed to go for two weeks cause we're in the middle of a school year. Um, but God just made it possible. He lined the right people up to be responsible for the school here, um, helped out with some finances, and, um, you know, we had a generous person offer to pay for our plane tickets to wow. for our entire family, and that freed up a lot of income to be able to spend that time there. So I think if you start taking those steps, God is going to lay that path if he's calling you. And so really don't let fear hold you back. If you feel called, give it a shot because um, you're going to be blessed in immeasurable ways. That's awesome. 
Anything yeah. you want to say, Jordan? Yeah, and absolutely. He's calling us all somewhere. Yeah. And, and it might just be down the road. But uh, God is calling. So it's not just if you feel called, but when. When you yeah. feel called. So, yeah. No, I, and I think probably just a huge thank you to Harbor Light Chapel. Yeah. Um, and, and everybody that sits out in those seats on Sundays. Um, you know, this has felt like a home for us for 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it is a home to us. But uh what makes it a home isn't a building. It isn't uh, isn't lights. And it's not music and great preaching. Although all that stuff exists, um, it's the people. Yeah. And then the people came around us in a huge way yeah. and uh, made made a really special experience for our family. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, it makes us a better community member within this church. Yeah. Uh, as we go. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you being here. And uh, well, this has been a special edition of more podcast uh we hope to bring you more but uh, we want to thank jordan and kelly and their family for uh sharing their time with us and we'll see you again